Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Friends, let's pray together, please, as we prepare to listen for God's word. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. So friends, listen for the word of God as it comes to us. I'm going to read. This is the New Revised Standard Version. This is the translation. This is James 1, 17 through 21. So listen for the word of God. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word, so that what we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. So this is the New Revised Standard Version translation. Printed in your bulletin, in your worship bulletin, is a paraphrase. This is the message written by a Presbyterian pastor, the late Dr. Gene Peterson. All right, so you know this, right? So translation versus paraphrase. There are two distinct issues right here. A translation is a group of scholars who've looked at the original text and they're doing their very best to match in whatever language, Spanish, Mandarin, Japanese, Swahili, English, to the original words in translation, right? They've gone to the original text, which means they've gone to probably three languages. What are they? Come on, original text. Oh, Greek is one. Hebrew, good. Old Testament. Third one? Ah, well done. Golly, show off. Thank you. So, Aramaic, right? So, Aramaic actually was the spoken language, the most prevalent spoken language in Jesus' world. Um, But scholars would have written in Greek and would have written in Hebrew. So, Bible scholars who are doing a translation, they've gone to the original Greek words and the original Hebrew, the texts that they can find as ancient as possible, and they're trying to do a precise word-for-word translation into whatever language, English. A paraphrase makes no claim about going to the original language. In fact, Gene Peterson, when he interviewed him, they asked him, how did you get to these words? He said he just looked at a translation. So he read the New Revised Standard Version, and he's trying to put the Scripture words in contemporary language, in the context of the day. And he is a Canadian pastor, grew up also in the U.S., so he's trying to write for a U.S., Canadian, a North American audience. That's his paraphrase. It's a big difference between a translation and a paraphrase. Paraphrase has all kinds of license. This is what's kind of fun. So his paraphrase has become so popular, other languages want to translate his paraphrase. And he said, no, because... 
The point is, you go to the original translations from the original text, and you create a paraphrase that works in Brazil, in Portuguese. You create a paraphrase that works in Indonesia, right? Or in the Philippines, in Tagalog or Ilocano. Don't try to translate my paraphrase. Does that make sense? Okay, so look at the text with me, please, all your worship bulletins. Let's read this in unison. And look at the nuances and the license that Gene Peterson takes because he's doing a paraphrase, not a translation. Let's read together. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all creatures. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener God landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. I love that last phrase. That is nowhere near the original text. But you who are gardeners, listen to this. You have the potential to create salvation gardens. You have the potential by how you live, according to James, to create salvation gardens so that people will be saved, not by you, but through you. Isn't that beautiful? That's what a paraphrase gets for us. A translation cannot. So friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. So I learned about listening from six-year-old Kelsey. I was in Sacramento, California. I was visiting her and her family. Her mom is a pastor of a church in Sacramento, and they invited me out to come preach. So I arrived there on a Friday night, had dinner with them at the house. I was staying with them in an extra bedroom. Saturday afternoon, we'd gone to the church and looked in the morning, drove around Sacramento some. I'd already been there before. Um, But Saturday afternoon, we had some time because her mom and dad were making dinner in the kitchen. So Kelsey came to me and said, Roger, do you want to watch the best movie of all time? And I said, absolutely, I do. And she said, good. So we went to the living room and sat on the floor. She put in the DVD, and up comes Aladdin, Disney's Aladdin. And her mom, who's the pastor of the church, came into the living room and leaned down and said, Roger, you you don't have to do this. She's watched this thousands of times. And I said, no, this is a chance to sit with Kelsey and watch Aladdin. I'm, I'm all in. This is great. If you've seen Disney's Aladdin, it's fun, it's humorous. Robin Williams plays the role of this genie. There's a marvelous song that's become the theme song for Aladdin, A Whole New World. And Aladdin, the actor, he welcomes Princess Jasmine onto this flying carpet, and they go off, and he shows her the world. 
It's a beautiful song, and I love it. I can show you the world, shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder, over sideways and under on a magic carpet ride, a whole new world. It's a beautiful song. I continued to sing until I felt this distinct pain on my lower arm. I stopped singing and looked down, and there was this six-year-old hand gripping my lower arm with a tourniquet-like grip. I thought, pain, pain. I'm in pain, and I said, "Kelsey, Kelsey, what are you doing?" And she looked at me, and she was not at all happy. Six-year-old face looking at me, and she said, "Uncle, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Roger, Uncle Roger, d- d- stop singing! No, no, no singing! No singing! This is not a singing time! No singing!" And I said, "Oh, Kelsey, Kelsey, actually, I love this song. I love this movie. I think this is a singing time." And she said, "No, no, no, Uncle Roger." And she tightened her kung fu grip even more. I thought I would like to have use of this arm eventually. She said, "This is a listening time, Uncle Roger. This is not a singing time. This is a listening time." James would have loved Kelsey. So. You read this with me, right? We had this idea that that James is saying you have this implanted in you from birth. This was given to you, a way of living the word of truth among you, and this is how you do it. Then James writes, "This is how you do it." So we're preaching this first series, this first of four series of sermons on the practical wisdom of James. James is telling us this is a way you're supposed to live, to live out this implanted truth that is in you. This is what you do. James says, "You are quick to listen. You are slow to speak. You are slow to anger. You are quick to what? You are slow to, and slow to. Once more, you are quick to, slow to." Slow to, anger. slow to anger. I know it sounds sequential. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. But there's more than one Bible scholar. I'm intrigued by this. There's more than one Bible scholar who is arguing it's not simply sequential. It's actually consequential. This is interesting. That when you are quick to listen, when you are slow to speak, then you will be slow to anger. It's fascinating. James is saying this is how you and I are supposed to live as followers of Jesus. Quick to so there's something about listening, the power to listen. So I was privileged to be teaching as a faculty member when I was on sabbatical at the Presbyterian Seminary in Accra, in Ghana. And the dean of the seminary very kindly took me out to lunch after I'd been there for a couple of weeks, and we were having a lovely conversation at this restaurant in Accra outside of the seminary. And he asked me about some of the differences I was experiencing between teaching at Columbia Seminary in Atlanta in the U.S. and teaching there at the Presbyterian Seminary in Accra, the nation's capital of Ghana. 
And I told them about some of the differences, and I said, you know, your students are so polite, and they are so attentive. And the dean turned to me and smiled and said, we have a proverb about that. So you do? He says, yes, we Africans have a proverb about everything. And I said, what's your proverb, dean, about being polite and being attentive? He said, Dr. Nishioka, here in Africa, we say when you see two Africans talking, you see one person talking and one person listening. He said, we say when you see two Americans who are talking, you see one person talking and one person waiting to talk. He said, here in Africa, we know how to listen. James says, be quick to, slow to, slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. So this is what Scripture does, right? Scripture does this to you. So I've been working with this ever since Tom asked me to preach this series of sermons in August here this month. Um, I've had some time to work on this because Tom was gracious and asked me a couple months ago. So I've been working on this and this idea of being quick to listen, slow to speak. And what I've noticed is I have a bad habit at times of interrupting people. That's the antithesis of being quick to listen. When you interrupt someone, when I interrupt someone, that is the opposite of being what Christ is calling us to in the book of James, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I was talking about this with a friend of mine who's a former professor with me at Columbia Seminary. He's retired. And he was telling me, well, yeah, yeah, I I also interrupt people a lot. And I said, I know, that is such a bad habit. I think it's rude. I think it's arrogant. And he said, yeah, it it, it is, it is. But it's also really their fault. I said, I'm I'm sorry? He said, "It's, it's their fault. Whoever you're talking to, when you interrupt, it's their fault that you interrupt. I said, it's, it's their fault that you're interrupting them? It is, it is. Because you see, if they were more interesting, you wouldn't have to interrupt them. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what? You're, you're blaming them for your interrupting? Yes, it's, it's not my fault. Because what I have to think and say is so much more interesting. What they have to say, if they were more interesting, I wouldn't have to interrupt them. So it's, it's not on me, it's on them. Okay, I won't tell you who this is, but if I did and you knew him, you would say this explains a lot. (laughs) James says, be quick to, slow to, and then you'll be slow to anger. So in these pandemic days, in these polarized days, Listening matters. Listening matters. I think listening is a superpower in these days because I think it has the power to show what love is. I think it has the power to heal. I think that. I know that. I believe that because I've seen it. I've seen what the power of listening can do. So one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was to serve on an administrative commission. This is when I lived in Atlanta. An administrative commission is a distinct group of people that happens in the Presbyterian Church USA when a congregation is in great conflict 
or when a ruling elder or a minister of the word and sacrament has been brought up on some kind of charges of misconduct, then the presbytery, the group of churches, forms an administrative commission, a small group of ministers and ruling elders to investigate the charges. In this case, a young adult in a church in Atlanta had brought charges of sexual misconduct against a pastor who had just left that church. I don't have to tell you that this is a very serious, serious thing. That any time that kind of trust has been broken, it is a horrible, horrible thing. So this small group of people of which I was a part, we were the administrative commission. Our job was to listen to the complaint, to listen to the pastor, and try to find the truth, the same truth that James says is implanted in our souls. So we met with the complainant, the one who filed the charges. A young adult now was a teenager then when all this happened. The young person showed us evidence, showed us emails, some notes, and told us a story. Then we met with the pastor who told us this was all lies, that this young adult was deeply troubled, that the family didn't like this pastor anyway, was convinced that the family and this young adult had conspired together to ruin this individual's career. We asked the pastor for some more information, and with the pastor's permission, we were able to discreetly contact the two previous churches where the pastor had served in Southern California. We talked to individuals there discreetly, and we found that there were two individuals in each of those churches, one from each of those congregations who was willing to talk to us. We sought them out. They didn't seek us out. So three of us flew to Southern California, and we met with these two young adults the three of them knew nothing of each other, had never met each other. We sat for a little over three and a half hours in a hotel conference room, and this young adult told us the story. And as the young adult continued to talk, what struck me was the behaviors and the words spoken by the pastor as this young adult experienced it were identical to the words and behavior the pastor shared with this other young adult in Atlanta. We began to see this was a pattern. There were moments of long silence. There were moments of tears, moments of great anger. After three and a half hours, we began to come to a close. One of the pastors in our group turned to the young adult and said, would it be all right with you if we closed in prayer? The young adult said, I haven't prayed since all of this happened. One of my other colleagues turned and said, that's all right. Would you allow us to pray? The young adult said, that would be okay. So we prayed together. The young adult got up to leave and before stepping out of the conference room, turned to us and said, you know, all my family and friends 
they said, don't talk to these people. You don't want to bring this all up again. You spent years trying to heal from this. And these are church people. They're going to be against you from the start. They're going to doubt your story. They're going to tell you you're lying. Young adult looked at us and said, but you didn't do any of that. So thank you. I actually don't even think it's all that important whether you believe me or not. The most important thing is that you listen to me. You heard me. You just listened to me. So thank you for listening. (sighs) Listening is a superpower. It has the ability to love and even to heal. In these pandemic days, in these polarized days, come on, church, come on. The truth of the word is implanted in us. We have the potential to be these gardens of salvation so that people may know that truth does live And that through the power of listening and being slow to speak and slow to anger, the gospel of Jesus Christ can be relied upon for these days. Come on, church. This is who we are. Listening matters. So you and I... uh, attention to interrupting in these next days and do your best not to do it. I'm working hard at that. Let's listen to the practical wisdom of James. Be what? Quick to and slow to and slow to for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.